You are listening to audio from Community Bible Church. If you would like to find out more information about us, please visit us at cbcsavannah.com. We uh, have the privilege as a church to partner with folks all across, really, the globe uh, in gospel ministry. And uh, one of our earliest partners um, is Bill and Pam Schweitzer, who serve faithfully in the UK uh, as a, really as, as a pastor and plant, church planner and seminary professor and about everything else. Uh, and Bill and Pam, when I went to seminary, they were on our supporting team. Uh, and so when uh, 2008, when they were sent across the, the pond to our formal, former uh, king, no longer, um, we, uh, he, we were privileged to support them, and we have been for 12 years. And he's going to share briefly kind of what's going on in the UK. Uh, you know, I, we, he, they were able to speak with some folks on the porch at nine, um, and uh, connect with some folks, but we want to send a team uh, over to the UK, so if you're, they speak English in there, by the way, so it's a good place to go. So we're trying to, we're gonna, after post-COVID and all the rules, we really want to send a team over to visit and encourage and just see what God's doing there, um, maybe, maybe visit a uh, soccer game, even though it's not really a sport, but we'll go anyway. Um, so, but just want you to get, meet him and his wife and their kids. They leave tomorrow. They've been here in the States since July. He's actually got to go preach in about an hour at another church down the street. So he's, but glad to have him and his wife. Um, if you want information about what they're doing, uh, talk to me or Tom and we can point you to their website and, uh, and some of the good things. But Bill, share with us briefly. So let me say, if you're going to send, if you're going to support, uh, make sure you get your money's worth. All right. So uh, yes, we were on his support team. Uh, he was on mine. And I know that I got my money's worth. Don't you guys think? Uh, there's some return on that investment. And uh, I'm thankful that in God's goodness, there's starting to be a little bit of return on, on you all's investment. In fact, as I, I, I go through the list, I realize pretty much everything that I, I specifically prayed for, everything that I brought to your attention in times past has happened. Uh, that's amazing. So I'm, not only the church in, in Newcastle, yes, we're so thankful for its establishment, uh, uh, the thing that we lacked was a building, and that's the amazing thing I want to mention to you is uh, God's goodness in that. Uh, for years, we were meeting in this ugly community center, and we were bursting at the seams, praise God. Uh, uh, we didn't grow as fast as you guys. We were growing at kind of English speed. We started out with about 35, and we grew by 10% per year, and we finally, finally made it to about 100, you know, a couple of years ago, and... Um, we didn't have enough space really to adequately provide for, you know, and praise God, uh, in, in terms of COVID, it would have been disastrous had we still been at our little community center. Well, anyways, out of, out of almost fr- frustration more than faith, I, I uh, called about this uh, beautiful church building made in the 1700s. I mean, just one of those amazing churches in the middle of the city, iconic you know, sort of thing. Like if you go to the hospital, the curtains have a repeating pattern of famous Newcastle things. And there's, there's a cathedral, there's a bridge, and there's this church called All Saints. So I, I called up, you know, hey, do you guys, uh, do you guys have any plans for All Saints? It's, it's empty, you know, and uh, do you have any plans? Like, oh, yeah, we have plans. Big, big, big plans. I'm surprised you didn't hear it. It was front page of the newspaper a couple of months ago. I don't, I don't get the newspaper. I don't know who does, but uh, 
And it was front page, sure enough. And, and it was the diocese, the, the Church of England, the Liberal Church of England wanted it back. And the Archbishop of Canterbury had given the bishop, the female bishop, or liberal, of, of Newcastle, 2.8 million pounds to, you know, fix up All Saints and make it to one of their new flagship churches to do, you know, what the Church of England does. And you guys are going to hear when Bill preaches, the kind of stuff that happens at most of these churches of England, unfortunately. But, as I put, now I'm used to rejection by this, like, yeah, yeah, okay, I'm glad to hear all that wonderful plans, thank you. Hang it up. I mean, this is item number 24 on the list of of no. So, uh, five minutes later, the manager of the building preservation trust calls back and says, hey, all those plans we talked about they, uh, they're not going to happen. Um, and I find this out. He tells me, because he becomes our project manager later on, and he says, you know, Bill, that whole 18-month train came to a, a complete wreck the day that you called, the very day. Uh, they had spent tens of thousands just on the architects and all the rest of it, and they said, uh, the historic England says, no, we're not going to let the actual Church of England have their church back but uh, if you're interested, come see it on, Monday, uh, on, on Wednesday. We did. And by Friday, it had been offered to us. Friday. First 25 years for free was the price. Then we negotiated to 50 years, then 100 years, finally to 150 years, plus an extra parcel of land next to it. And, uh, and that's our church. Now, amen. Now, it's a little bit of a fixer-upper. Uh, they said, oh, we think probably need about 250000 worth of work. Uh, so 1.25 million later, um, we have a beautiful, beautiful, beautiful church, and we're grateful for it. And it came just in time for COVID because uh, we can socially distance all day in this church. It was originally built for 1,200 people. Uh, even today, it seats over 1,000, so... You know, we have no problem with our, you know, barely over 100 uh, group. What you guys can pray for is that we actually fill that church. Because uh, we've, God has, has answered everything we've asked for thus far, so why not go that far? Why not ask a little bit more? Um, I'll, I'll just also mention, you know, I always wanted to teach at seminary, and now God has given me a seminary. We have a good reason for it. Uh, Bill was able to go to to Dallas Seminary, there aren't those kind of seminaries in the nation of England right now, and we want to change that. We will never have the number of churches, we'll never have the number of missionaries, we'll never have the, the, the strength of Christianity in that nation if we don't have a good seminary. Uh, so that's one of the main issues right now is, is seminary ed- education. Pray for that work of, of uh, the Westminster Seminary in Newcastle. We're still doing church planning. So let's, let's just think of where, these, where our seminary students are right now. Well, one of them is doing our Asian fellowship. He was persecuted to within an inch of his life in Pakistan as a young man. His family came from a Muslim background. He's now uh, a, a student with us. And already as a student, he's, he started an Asian Christian fellowship to reach Pakistanis, Indians, and Sri Lankans. And a, a good number of people have come to faith uh, through that work. It's a little bit separate from our church, although it's a ministry of it, but pray for fruit from the Asian Christian Fellowship. We have seen both Muslims and Hindus come to the Lord in the last few years. Uh, another graduate 
He's, uh, was the guy who planted our, our, our church in Sunderland. Years ago, if you saw my presentation, he was a guy in the dyed black hair and the emaciated face who was on drugs, who happened to show up at our first uh, church walk in 2008. Well, he went to our seminary, he's a graduate, and he planted our church in Sunderland. So praise God. Uh, finally, we're, another graduate is about to go out the door, and you guys can certainly pray for this, to Zurich, Switzerland. Uh, that's not going to be an easy, easy thing by any means, but they are, are desperately needy in Switzerland, a place that gave us the Reformation. The doctrines that, that Bill and I preach are Reformation doctrines, and for the most part, that came out of Switzerland. And so we're trying to repay that debt and, and give them a church in Zurich. Finally, I just mentioned something I, I didn't mention in the, the front one. You know, it's, God is so good. It, 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 you, you, you simply, you don't have to be perfect. You just have to believe his word. You just have to walk by faith. And he is amazingly good to his people. And I'm certainly living proof of that. Um, he didn't need to do this, but I guess I needed a hobby. So, you know, I, I served in the Marine Corps years ago and recently was called to be a reserve chaplain. So that's my new hobby. And uh, so I have the privilege of, of every couple of months going to, to Stuttgart, Germany to serve the SEALs, uh, the, the Navy SEALs that are at Naval Special Warfare Unit 2 there. And, uh, you know, it's fun. Um, but they desperately need the gospel as well. So I just remind you uh, as well to pray for my work in that sense. Thank you so much. God has been good to you. It is a great delight to see how he has grown this church. It's a great delight to sit under this man's preaching. So may the Lord continue to bless our partnership. Thanks, Bill. Let me pray for them and then for our time in the scriptures. Uh, this morning. Father, I thank you for Bill and Pamela and their family and their faithfulness in a very hard and difficult place, a place that once was thriving with preachers like Spurgeon, Martin Lloyd-Jones, uh, and now it's just, it's just spiritually a, a wasteland. And so I thank you for lighthouses like their church and others uh, that are proclaiming the truth. And we could be there in 100 years, Lord, if we fail to continue in the faith and continue to preach the gospel. So I just pray that ours and other churches would be uh, holding fast to what you have said and, and to remain close and faithful to you. I pray that you bless their ministry, their seminary, that they would add students, their church plants, that they would thrive and that their, their building would be full uh, of folks that love you and want to come to know you and, uh, and, and reach the rest of England with the gospel. I pray for this study in First John, just help me to be clear and true and uh, by your spirit speak and equip your saints uh, to know the truth, uh, to be set free by the truth, to know that they have been given eternal life. And so help me, a sinful man, to do that. For your name's sake, I pray. Amen. All right, go ahead and turn to First John 2 in your Bibles if you have one. If you don't, we'll have it on the screen. Two quick updates, reminders. Again, you saw it in the announcements, but just some of you came in late. Next week, there is no more registration. All right, woohoo! All right, that's great. No more tents outside. You can just walk in the door. Unless you have kids. If you have children, there is registration. No boohoo, right? But still, at least you don't have to sign up. And so uh, for kids, yes, but for the service, no. So that's a bit, first one. Second one is, is kind of a more personal note. A lot of you have been asking, appreciate it. The snake has been found. Okay? I know that's not that spiritual, but my uh, wife uh, went into the Christmas decorations closet almost died, but found the snake. 
And I came in and, and put it in. She was the one who found it. We found a, a, about a three-foot snake skin last week, which reminded us that it was there. So uh, we went on the search, and she has found it. So Moo is back. Okay. I had nothing to do with the sermon, but I just was giving you an update because a lot of you have been asking. All right. Um, one of the, most of you guys know that I am a sports fan, um, baseball fan specifically. Uh, but I just cannot, and I've told everyone, they go, so how your team doing? I don't know. I just can't get into it this year. I mean, I've tried. I've tried to watch a, a part of a game and it's just not the same. And it had nothing to do with the fact that my team stinks. My team has stunk for most of my 46 years of life. I had nothing to do with it. But what it does have to do is there's just, there's no, there's nobody in the stands. It's just not the same. I mean, you know, the long fly ball deep, you know, you see people diving in the stands trying to get the the foul balls and, you know, nothing. Ball goes into the, hits the cardboard cutout, take the the cardboard cutout to the hospital, catches COVID at the hospital. I mean, you know, it's just, it's just not the same, (laughs) right? Uh, Ending, ending double play. Or a, a cat, you know, strike out, throw them out, double play, no cheering. You know, they play the organ. Dun, 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 nothing. No charge, no nothing. And, and they know it's true. They know it. I mean, they've tried to fake it, right? They put fake crowd noise in. They got, you know, our, my team has the Philly Fanatic running around. Uh, they do do the organ, but there's nothing that comes afterwards. Uh, and maybe the most egregious thing they do is, and my team personally, this is what they put on their website. Although you can't physically be at the ballpark, there's still an opportunity to cheer on your Phillies by submitting your photo and having your fan cut out placed in the stands of Citizen Bank Park. That is a lie. I'm not, that's not me in the, I'm not cheering in the stands. That's a lie. It's a money grab, right? It's fake. You can put my face in left field. You can put crowd music on and you can put the fanatic. It's not real. It's a fraud. And something similar has been going on in Ephesus. Uh, And we've been looking at this where a group of people from inside the church up and left, and they are now trying to recruit people out of the church and they're using similar terminology, knowledge and spiritual and God and Trinity, not Trinity, but uh, uh, eternal life and love. And they're using a lot of the same language, but Paul is saying, it's a cardboard cutout. I mean, Paul, John, it's a cardboard cutout. It's a fake. It's not real, right? And he's been kind of emphasizing this and we've looked uh, different ways in which they've been trying to trick and, and deceive and recruit and John is saying it's a fake, it's a cardboard cutout. And the same thing is going on in the church in the world. There's a lot out there offering truth, spirituality, right? If you ask uh, Bill and Pam about some of the stuff going on in, in the UK, it's all over the place. And, and John is saying, that's a cardboard cutout, it's a fake. So the question is, how do you know a fake from the real? How do you know the cardboard cutout from the real. That's what John's gonna answer for us this morning as we continue in 1 John 2. And we're gonna look at 18 to 27. And we, we've been talking about that you may know. That's what we did, called this series, that you may know. We, that you may know John the first week. You may know forgiveness, that you may know assurance, that you may know you're in the family of God. Today, John's gonna highlight that you may know the real deal or that you may know truth. What is real versus what is not. And this ties into his theme verse, right? I write these things to you who believe in the name of the Son of God. Why? That you may know you have eternal life. What is real, what is not? And so what John is gonna do in this portion is he's gonna take a cardboard cutout, 
put it in front of him, and he's going to take the reel and put it in front of him. He's going to say, this is what cardboard cutouts do. This is what the reel does. This is what cardboard cutouts say. This is what the reel does. This is what they do. This is what they have. And he's going to compare and contrast so that you can know the real deal, right? He's going to give us three big comparisons that we're going to look at today as we move through our text. Let me read the entirety of our text, and then we'll jump in. Verse 18, children, it is the last hour. And as you have heard, the Antichrist is coming. So now many Antichrists have come. Therefore, we know that it is the last hour. They went out from us, but they were not of us. For if they had been of us, they would have continued with us. But they went out that it might become plain that they are not of us. But you have been anointed with the Holy One and you all have knowledge. I write to you, not because you do not know the truth, but because you know it and because no lie is of the truth. Who is the liar but he who denies that Jesus is the Christ? This is the Antichrist, he who denies the Father and the Son. No one who denies the Son has the Father. Whoever confesses the Son has the Father also. Let what you heard from the beginning abide in you. If what you heard from the beginning abides in you, then you too will abide in the Son and in the Father. And this is the promise that he has made us, eternal life. I write these things to you about those who are trying to deceive you, but the anointing that you've received from him abides in you and you have no need that anyone should teach you. But as his anointing teaches you about everything and is true and is no lie, just as it has taught you, abide in him. So he starts off, he says, children. And this is, again, here's a spiritual dad, older gentleman in the faith, been walking with Christ for 60 years and there's just this, this passion for his kids, but there's a passion with a seriousness. He's using some serious terms here. And it's, it's just kind of this like, look them in the eyes. You need to get this. It's kind of like when, when you're sending your kids off to school or college and you're like, okay, remember these things. And this is what I want you to know. Or even if you're just going on a date night and the kids are gonna get left behind, you're like, all right, don't forget this. Let the dog out. Make sure you're in bed by nine. Da, 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 da. You know, you're just giving kind of intense instructions. And he uses some pretty serious language. Last hour, antichrist. Those are kind of, those are heavy stuff, right? So he says, it's the last hour. That sounds very like meteorite coming to earth, zombie apocalypse, walking dead language, right? What is the last hour? The idea is this, and the New Testament is, 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 is prevalent, is that sit for 2,000 years, we've been living in the last days, in the last hour, right? Ever since Pentecost, when Peter says, uh, this is what Joel prophesied when the spirit comes on. That in the last days, this is what happened. So we've been living in the last days for 2,000 years. Just remember, God is kind of outside of time and he doesn't see things as like time as much as he sees it in events. And the next event on, on God's timeline is the return of Christ, right? And so we've been waiting. It's, it's the theologians call it the imminent. It could be at any time, the imminent return of Christ. It's the last hour. Right? And, and because at the last hour, there's certain signs, there's Antichrist, there's the Antichrist. He says, at the last of the last hour, kind of right before the end, the Antichrist is coming. Right? There will be one in the future who comes on the stage. He's empowered by Satan, Second Thessalonians say. He's also called the beast, the man of lawlessness. He will do false signs and wonders. He will declare himself to be God. He will demand people worship him. He will persecute the church. But in the end, Jesus is gonna come back and Dunzo, he cast him in the lake of fire. People try to identify this guy in the past. It was the Pope. Nope. It was Hitler. Nope. Don't know. Not Nikolai Carpathia, right? For those of you who read the Left Behind series back in the 90s. All right. We don't know who he is, but he's coming. He'll be here at the end of the end, right? He is coming. But then he says this 
but many antichrists have come. Well, what is that about? That's kind of scary. If antichrists come, there's a big A antichrist, capital A, and there's little A antichrist. This is what Jesus said. He said, many will come in my name saying, I am the Christ, I am the Christ. Don't listen to them. Anti can mean opposed to, anti can mean in place of. There's many who are gonna come saying, I am the Christ. There's many who are gonna kind of, kind of put himself in the place of Jesus or replace Jesus' theology. It happens all the time. And chapter four, he's gonna say, this is the spirit of antichrist. It's all rooted in the power of Satan. It's all rooted in deception. And there's gonna be, there's a come and say, hey, you don't need Jesus, you need this. Or there, this is not what really Jesus is. He says, don't listen to him. And the point is this. He's trying to highlight the fact that this is a spiritual battle. There is a real war going on and that you need to be aware of it. And that in this spiritual battle, Satan don't just show up with his I am the antichrist t-shirt. All right, with a pitchfork, it's not the far side. What he does is he shows up in churches, in Lifeway, with some spiritual guru, some street preacher or TV preacher. It's subtle. He comes disguised as an angel of light, speaking with similar terms. And, and John is saying, you gotta know what's true versus what is a cardboard cutout. So how do you know? Verse 19, he tells us the first way. He says, they, were, they went out from us, but they were not of us. If they had been of us, they would have continued with us, but they went out that it might become plain that they are not of us. Right? They left. How do you know if they're real or not? They left. Right? They're gone. The, they're, they're, the spirit of Antichrist is on them. And this is not saying, y'all, well, they left CBC. That's not the point. Well, they left CBC and now they're down at Bull Street. They left IPC and now they're at C. It's not talking about switching churches. Right? It's not what the point is. Remember, there's no denominations back then. There's one church in Ephesus. They leave the church, they left the church. Now we have denominations and denominations are usually amongst the Orthodox church. They, we agree on 95% of, of things and, and all the essentials, all those close-handed issues, salvation by grace through faith, the deity of Christ, the virgin birth, the triune God, the authority of the scriptures, all you know, denominations that are conservative and Orthodox agree on those things. It's the subtle things right? Uh, should we all uh, raise our hands during worship? One hand up, one hand down, hands in the pocket, hands behind the back. That stuff we disagree on. How often do the Lord's table, baptism, timing of the Lord's return. Those things are subtle, secondary. We can agree to disagree on those things, right? But not on the essentials. These folks who left, it's not that they're like, oh, I just, I'm charismatic now. You know, I'm going to go to a charismatic church. It's not that. They've left the faith. They've left those close-handed issues, They've denied those things. And let me illustrate it to you like this because I heard this this week in a sermon. I thought, that's helpful. So we live in the United States of America. That's our republic. How many states in the United States? Please say 50. It's 50. Don't say 48 or 52. You know, I asked one of my kids. I won't say which one. How many states? 52. I'm like, what, what, are, you doing? what are you talking about? 52. Where's the 52nd? Canada. No. Right, he didn't say Canada. He didn't also know that New Jersey was a state, which it probably shouldn't be, but that's another story. Um, anyway, if those of you have been there, you know what I'm talking about. But so we have 50 states and you can go to any of them pretty easy except for Hawaii and Alaska, right? If you want to drive across, you know, to Florida or to uh, South Carolina, very simple, right? And then you, you know, there, and there's subtle differences between states. You know, uh, for instance, you drive on 95 in Georgia, it's beautiful. Three lanes, asphalt, Marshes, pretty, everything, right? It's nice and smooth. But what happens the moment you cross over into South Carolina? It is like purgatory. 
right? It goes from three lanes down to two, which means there's traffic always. And then you're on concrete. It's ba-boom, ba-boom, ba-boom. Tractor trailer in front of you won't get over. Ba-boom, ba-boom. It is a miserable experience. Now, you're still in the United States, and there's subtle distinctions, but it, it's, it, you know, it's different. Now, go down to Texas, go south, and then you cross over into Mexico. There's going to be a border. There's going to be guards. You've got to show them your passport. When you leave Texas, you have now left the country. And to get back in, it's not just crossing South Carolina. You've got to come back in. They may inspect your car. They'll stop you. Passport. See, state borders are distinctions. It's like Orthodox denominations. But country borders, that's divisions. All right, that's, that's Mark's nations. That's distinct. These folks are not just moving from Georgia to Tennessee. They went from Georgia to another continent. They are now denying everything that we hold true, who Jesus is, what he has said. That's what's going on here. And so the first sign of someone who is a fraud or fake is they depart, not just physically, but theologically. They've departed from the truth, right? They've left the truth. Did really Jesus really say that? Did that really happen? They may use similar terms, God, eternal life, love, all these things, but they have left. And this is super relevant, y'all, because we have a, a culture now where you, you see it all the time, the deconstruction of Christianity, right? People who were in the church and then they left the church. And a perfect example, some of you growing up, you kissed dating goodbye because of Joshua Harris. Well, Joshua Harris kissed orthodoxy goodbye. And he said, I'm no longer a Christian. So that, that would be an example of someone who was here. Did he lose his salvation? That's, that's for God. No, he did not, because you cannot lose. Is he a believer really? Well, that's for God to determine. He may come back. He may not. But the idea is he's left. He's denying these things. He's saying, well, I don't believe that anymore. It's super relevant now. And I'm not talking about having questions and struggles. We all have downtimes. We all have seasons of unfruitfulness. I do. I've, I've looked at things and been like, man, why would that happen? Some of you, some tragedy in your life and you're like, if God is sovereign, then why? If I'm his child and he loves me, then why? I'm not talking about that. That's normal. Peter, he falls, doesn't he? Denies Jesus. The difference is he came back. Judas doesn't come back, showing that he was son of perdition. And so, the, the, those who are in, those who are real will persevere. Perseverance of the saints is the reformers call it. Persevere to the end. And, and the, you need to understand that the enemy and this culture and this world that we live in, this climate, has two powerful weapons that he has been using to deceive and to trick and to pull away. And especially, I mean, this is for everybody, old and young, but especially young folks. This is getting pushed in your colleges and in your schools. is relativism and subjectivism. Two, you know, very common ideologies. Relativism is the assumption there is no absolute truth. Truth is evolving. It is not constant. It's moving, right? So it's, it's, it's fluid. Morality is fluid. Gender is fluid. All these things are kind of, you know, it's not, nothing's the same. And subjectivism is I decide. I'm the subject and I decide what is true. And it usually is what makes me happy as long as I don't hurt anybody. Uh, I can't be wrong if it makes me feel good. All these, I'm in charge, I decide what is true. So that may be true for you, but that's not true for me. The problem with that is, what if my truth says that your truth is a lie? Is your truth still true? It's not logical. That's why we need something from outside to speak truth, something transcendent that speaks truth that's our rock, and that's what we have in the scriptures, right? Our faith doesn't need to be updated like an app on your phone, 
right? It doesn't need to be changed to adjust to the culture. We need to subject ourselves. So our S, scripture, we put ourselves under the scripture. It's not that there's not new expressions of, of applications of truth, right? I mean, I'm gonna learn a truth and then I'm gonna apply it in a different way than Paul is. Paul says, flee immorality. He wasn't thinking of internet pornography when he wrote that. But that now that's an application. That's a new application of an old principle, right? Back then it would be flee the prostitutes in the temple, flee this, flee that. Now it's this. That's, that's a principle that's timeless and the application looks differently. So we're not saying you, the applications don't look different, but the truth doesn't need to be changed, right? So the, the, the fake depart, what do the real do? They continue. That's what he said in verse 19. If they were of you, they would have continued with us. They would have remained, but they didn't, right? We, we hold fast to what we believe. And, he, and he's convinced that they are going to. He says, you have been anointed. It's emphatic in the original. You've been anointed with the Holy One. That's the Holy Spirit. We'll come back to that. And you have all knowledge. Not that you know all things, but that you have everything you need. You don't need a new guru. You don't need all this new, deep Gnostic garbage. You have the gospel. I write to you, not because you don't know the truth, because you do know it and because no lies of the truth. You have what you need. So continue in what you have, right? You don't need anything no deeper this or that. You have the gospel. And understand this, Jesus knows who his church is. He knows that the sheep will be with the goats, that the wheat will be with the tares to the end. He's not, he's not flipping out about it, which means you shouldn't be either. You don't need to spaz. You don't need to fear, oh, they haven't been in church for three weeks. They must be not really a real Christian. Or they could be sick or they could be out of town, or they could just be struggling and need your prayers and your love because they're going through a hard time and it's just hard to worship. It's not your job to figure out who's in and who's out. That's Jesus's job. It's your job to continue in the faith, right? You've been anointed. Jesus is interceding for us. That's what happened. The real continue, the fake depart. Let's continue. Verse 22. Who is the liar but he who denies that Jesus is the Christ. This is the Antichrist, he who denies the Father and the Son. No one who denies the Son has the Father. Whoever confesses the Son has the Father also. Let what you heard from the beginning abide in you. If what you heard from the beginning abides in you, then you too will abide in the Son and the Father. And this is the promise he made to us, eternal life. So this is the second way you know, and he tells us right up front, who is the liar, the fake, the cardboard cutout? Who is it? Those who deny that Jesus is the Messiah. Right? Remember, Christ means Messiah, not his last name, his title. Those who deny Jesus as the Christ are fake. The second way we know is they deny Jesus. And there could be a doctrinal de- denial, right, which is common. For instance, um, Ligonier came out with their kind of biannual study of theology in the church, and you should read, it's very kind of enlightening. 30% of those in churches, evangelicals, say that Jesus was just a good teacher, a moral individual, that he wasn't God. 30%. That's one in three in churches, right? That's kind of goes against everything Jesus said. I and the Father are one. Philip, you've seen me, you've seen the Father. Before Abraham was, I am. Son, your sins are forgiven. These are God language, right? 60%. And I don't know if they understood the question or not, but 60% said that Jesus was the first one created, that he was a created being. If Jesus is created, you're in trouble. If he's not God, if he's a creation, we're in trouble. Right? They would make great Jehovah's Witnesses and Mormons because that's what they believe. 
right? Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. So many people thought, oh, he's one way. He's, there are all sorts of ways you can doctrinally deny who Jesus was. This church in Ephesus is denying his humanity. We'll see in a couple of weeks. But we can also deny him with our actions, right? Why do you call me Lord, Lord, and you don't do what I say? We looked at that a couple of weeks ago. Here's a way I think we gotta be aware of in, in the church uh, of how we may deny Jesus as Messiah. I call it uh, be nice Christianity or moralism where it's all about, our, our faith is all about just being nice, right? It's, it's, it's about a list of behaviors, a list of um, uh, principles. It's sermons that say 10 ways to be nice and four ways to be nice and you know, all these things. And there's nothing wrong with being nice. Kindness is one of the fruit of the spirit. But the, but our, the, the scriptures are not given to us to, so that we're nice. We're not, we're not here to just be nice, because really, we're not, because our hearts are desperately wicked, and there's none righteous, no, not one, is what Scripture says, right? Moralistic preaching will fail if it's not tied to Jesus. Why? Because we'll either be, we on one side, where we're super arrogant and proud, and our church does it right, and this is how we do it, and we, don't, we all do this kind of schooling, and don't drink, don't smoke, don't do, you know, we, we, we are all moral, just like, by the way, most of the cults are super moral and nice. Or the flip side is, we try and fail and try and fail and try and fail. And so we fall into despair because it's all about my performance and I can never perform well enough. And Jesus himself said, if my righteousness does not surpass that of the Pharisees, I can't enter the kingdom of heaven. So we don't want moralism. What we want is Christ. The scripture is about Christ. It is not about you. It may be for you, but it is not about you. It is about him. He says, these things are about me. So it's tied to that. The point of the scripture is not to make you a smarter sinner to satisfy your your intellectual curiosity, it's so that you were filled with a desire for God's glory, a passion to follow Christ and to be like him. And when you fail to go back to his grace and his mercy that's found in him, you cannot do it on your own. It's why you have to be in Christ. That's why your righteousness has to surpass the Pharisees. How is that possible? Because it's Jesus' righteousness you're counting on. The one who says, come to me, all who are weary and heavy laden, I will give you rest, Right? So that's one way we, we, we can deny by being nice. Here's another way, and I won't even get into it because I'll really start preaching, is when you tie your political party to Jesus. Okay, not gonna go any further. I'm just gonna say that. And this is both sides, by the way. Because Jesus is not Republican, Democrat, or Libertarian. He is king. And if you need proof of that, read Joshua 5 when he shows up and says, when they say, are you, are you for us or against us? He says, no, 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 you're wrong question. Are you for me is the real question. All right, that's all I'll say about that. All right. So who is Jesus, is the question, is the point. When Peter is asked, who do, who do you say I am, Peter? You are the Christ, you are the son of the living God. You're the Messiah. Jesus says, Yahtzee, bingo. Who do you say? Who is Jesus? He is the second person of the divine Godhead. He is the fullness of God and, and pleased to dwell in humanity. He is eternal he is immutable, that means he's unchanging. He is all-knowing, he is all-powerful, he is all-present, he is holy, holy, holy. He was begotten, not made. He was born of a virgin, he lived a sinless life, he died as the Lamb of God who would take away the sin of the world, propitiating the wrath of his Father. He rose physically three days, bodily, three days after his crucifixion, 
He ascended physically and bodily into heaven where he is now seated at the right hand of the Father, where in one hand he upholds the universe and at the other hand he is interceding for us, his church. He will one day return for his bride and to judge the living and the dead and once and for all to conquer sin, Satan, and death. That is who he is. And you wanna, really it comes, it boils it down to this. We are to confess, the real confess, the fake deny. What does it mean to confess? It means to say the same thing that God says. What does a father say about Christ? He has to be worshiped. You wanna know what people think about Jesus? Ask him, do you worship him? Do you worship him? Because the demons believe everything I told you and shudder, but they do not worship Now, they will worship because every knee will bow and every tongue will confess that Jesus Christ is Lord, but they don't now. The difference between the real and the fake is the real confess they worship him. The fake deny him. The real continue, the fake they depart. One more thing, verse 26 and 27. I write these things to you about those who are trying to deceive you, but the anointing that you receive from him abides in you and you have no need that anyone should teach you. But his anointing teaches you about everything and is true and is no lie just as it has taught you abide in him. Last thing they do, they depart, they deny the fake and they deceive. Three Ds, how you like that Baptists? Got it, there you go Clint, I, I see that hand. They deceive, they trick. Now whether they know it or not, sometimes they don't know it. Sometimes they're super sincere and they've been deceived by the enemy. Sincerity is not the test. Is whether, what does the scripture say? Uh, 9-11, we all saw this week and were reminded, those, those folks that, that took control of those planes were super sincere. Can't doubt their sincerity. They were wrong, but they were sincere. Sincerity is not the test, right? Truth is not, you don't get to decide. They deceive. Once in a while, what happens, on, it's kind of funny every time it happens. Somebody uh, starts a Gmail account with my name on it every, probably every month, and sends an email to the whole staff, uh, supposedly from me, that says this. Do you have a moment? I have a request I need you to handle discreetly. I am currently busy in a meeting now. No calls, just so reply to my email. Sent from my Samsung. So they send this out to the whole staff. Basically, they're trying to get money. But the staff knows it's not me. Number one, uh, it says I'm busy in a meeting. They know, the staff knows I hate meetings, so I would never be busy in a meeting, okay? Number two, they know I don't, I'm not, why would I ever waste money on a Samsung when I could buy an Apple? I mean, they know this, right? Number three, I don't really have anything to do with money in our church. So it, it's, it's clearly a fraud, but they try it all the time uh, and it always fails and people are like, hey, your email, you know, somebody's emailing again. And if you just click on the email, it says it's like one, two, three, four, seven, six, five at gmail.com. It's not from me, even though they put their name. Well, this week they tricked it. They tried to switch it up a little bit. They got smart and they tried to send one from Deacon Greg Durkin, right? And they sent it to me and it said, you know, I need 10 eBay cards and I need, because I want to send them to the staff to uh, an appreciation. Can you get these for me? Uh, and I'm thinking, oh, it's a nice criminal. He's trying to be nice to our staff. It's not nice of him. And so I was like, okay, I'm going to email this guy back. So I did. So I'm like, oh yeah, sure, Greg. Uh, I'm in the office right now. I start having a conversation with this guy. He's emailing me back. I'm like, this is great. Now I'm lying through my teeth, but I'm lying to a criminal so it doesn't count. Okay. So <laughs> I'm like, yeah, I'll pick those up. Can I drop them off at your house? And finally they stop emailing me back because they realize, okay, he's on to me, right? 
But I, we were on up from the beginning I know, because I know Greg. Number one, Greg never would have in his title of his email, Deacon Greg Durkin. He doesn't, he doesn't have that. Number two, he never writes, God bless you, at the end of an email. Okay, number three, we would, why would we buy eBay cards and take a picture of the number and send it to him so that he could send to, oh, I could just give the cards. In fact, I actually said that to the guy. I said, hey, do you want me to just give the cards to the staff? That's when he didn't email me back. Because I know the real Greg. And if you know the real Jesus, see, the enemy wants to deceive and destroy. Jesus wants to build and encourage. The enemy's goal is your destruction. Jesus' goal is your joy and your salvation, right? That, that's, he's been an enemy and a liar from the beginning. God has demonstrated his love and that while we were sinners, Christ died. And he has given us, and here's the last thing. The enemy tries to deceive, fakes try to deceive. The real have an anointing from God. What is that anointing? It sounds very Pentecostal. It is Pentecostal, actually. Acts 2 Pentecostal. It is the Spirit of God. The anointing you have is the Spirit of God. And so when you, you know, if you ever hear, are you anointed? Say, I am absolutely anointed. I have the Spirit of God living in me, right? That's the anointing which you have, the Holy One who teaches. And I know some of you are going to be super disappointed. I had deny, deceive, uh, depart, and I had, you know, continue and I had confess and you're thinking there's going to be another C and I just couldn't come up with one. No thesaurus in America could help me. So the last one is real, real deal are anointed. They're anointed. Actually though, for the engineer in the house, I will say this. The Greek word for anointed is chrisma, which begins with a C kind of. So there you go. You've been chrismod, right? But here's the point. How do you know the truth for an error? The spirit of God in you. The spirit of God. He teaches you. And he, and he says, you don't need anyone to teach you. His, his point is you don't need preaching or teaching. That's not his point. Jesus said, teach them. He gives the spirit to equip the saints. He's not talking about actually teachers teaching you something or discipling someone or whatever, training. He's talking about you don't need a new guru. You don't need some, some spiritual knowledge. You don't need nothing new. You have what, what everything you need. The spirit will use the scripture, right, which he inspired, this is why it's important to memorize it and to read it and spend time meditating on it. He gives men and women like me who have teaching ability and gifts that he's given so we can communicate truth to you, whether it's in a one-on-one or a one-on-three or a one-on-this. So make clear what God has said. And sometimes he gives just an internal confirmation. Like you hear something, you're like, that doesn't sound right. If I give money to you, I get not only uh, healthy and rich, but I get a vial of the Jordan River water. Okay, that, that doesn't sound right. There's an internal confirmation that, that the Spirit just makes clear. I mean, he is the third person of the triune God. He is not a force, he is a person. He can be lied to, he convicts, he leads, he has a will, right? And he he's seals you for your day of redemption, he indwells you permanently, he convicts of sin, he leads you in all truth. Jesus said, I'm gonna send a helper, he will teach you all things. He is your teacher, your comforter, your counselor, your keeper, and he lives in you. You have become our partaker of the divine nature if you are a believer in God. Right, so you have him in you. He uses external things like teaching the word. He uses internal confirmation. There's something iffy here. Let me trust in the Lord and, and, I'll, and, follow, and follow the leading and the prompting as you walk by the spirit. And so he leads us to, to so not, we're not deceived between the fraud and the real, All right? It's a, it's a significant gift that Jesus has given his church. That's why he says, it's better that I go away because I'll send you to helper. 
And we think, oh no, it's better for Jesus to be here preaching every Sunday. No, no, no. It's better if I go away, then the helper will come and he'll teach you all things. So we have the internal presence of the living God right now, right? Literally, this is the temple of the Holy Spirit, not the building, you, are where God is dwelling, third person of the Trinity in you. It should just blow our minds, empowering you to serve, uh, giving you strength to fight the battle. And the battle is real. Big A antichrist is coming. Little A antichrist running all over the place, trying to deceive, trying to trick, coming inside the church, coming all sorts of things, not with a pitchfork, not with an antichrist t-shirt, as moral good people. How do we know truth from error? Error, fake, they depart. The true continue. Error, they deny Jesus the Christ. The true, they worship him as the Messiah and as Lord. They deceive. We are filled, controlled, sealed by the Spirit forever. Let me pray and we'll sing. Father, I thank you for the Spirit that dwells in all of us who have put our faith in Christ. I pray for discernment in our lives. Uh, I pray for comfort by your Spirit and leading and victory. I pray that we would uh, know the truth and be able to spot error, not so we can be arrogant, but so that we can uh, be faithful and so we can persevere and we would continue and, and we continue to be light and we continue to proclaim what you have said. You are good, your word is good, it is sweet to the taste, it is uh, for our good and uh, to sanctify us in your truth. And so let us stay close to you and close to it, uh, you revealing yourself through it. I pray for our church, for endurance that if, if you tarry for 100 years, that this church, long after most of us are gone, will still be faithfully proclaiming Christ. Uh, and uh, that'll happen if we continue in what we believe, that we continue in the truth. We pray these things in Christ's name. Amen. You guys can stand.